So, uh, uh, recap uh, from last week. The um, firstborn uh, were consecrated. Uh, the Lord commanded that the firstborn would be set apart for him, firstborn of um, uh, all that were born, a beast, a man, everything. We talked about the process of each of those things. Uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, was established then. Uh, the Lord led the people by way of the wilderness uh, of the Red Sea. And uh, he didn't take them the faster way to take them up um, through the land of the Philistines, though. And we discussed that, that uh, uh, it says there, unless they fear and want to return to Egypt. So the Lord had a, a great plan. and We'll see here how another part of that plan is revealed in the genius of God. <clears throat> Exodus 13, verses 21 and 22, the last two verses we read said, uh, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire uh, to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Uh, what a great way to end that chapter and move into this. What it is, is, is God's presence with them night and day. His physical, where they could actually see God there with them. You know, where it says that the Lord was there with them. And that he gave them a pillar of smoke, uh, excuse me, a pillar of, of cloud to give them, uh, you know, cover during, uh, during the day. And a pillar of night to give them warmth and to give them light uh, uh, at night. And uh, what a powerful thing to know that the Lord uh, is, they, they could see, there was a physical representation of God being with them there, um, and a, a powerful thing for them. So uh, that's where we're, we're picking up here, Exodus 14, and we're going to study tonight the Red Sea crossing. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Hiroth. Uh, yeah, uh, between I had it this week, just listening and everything. I'm like rehearsing it now. It's gone uh, between Migdal and the sea uh, opposite Baal Zephon. Uh, you shall camp before it by the sea for Pharaoh will say uh, of the children of Israel. They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden uh, Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain favor over Pharaoh and over his all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. So uh, God gave what we see here is that the Lord's uh, there with them. He's given them the pillar of cloud and he's given them uh, the pillar of fire. So they, they uh, are being um, protected, warmth, uh, uh, warmed and uh and led, but excuse me, by the Lord. And God gave Moses very specific instructions, is what we just read, uh, to pass along to the children of Israel. And uh, what we'll see here is that God, uh, as we uh, just uh, talked about uh, shortly, God has a plan. He's 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 planning something out. We're going to watch it unfold here. But what he tells them is that they're supposed to go uh, to the specific locations that he said. You know, in the midst of everything they just witnessed and uh, experience. They're all now uh, packed up and they're starting to move. And God gives them clear instructions and directions uh, for what's next. Um, and he, it gives comfort for somebody to know that there's a direction to go in, right? Uh, you ever been to the point where you, you're like, uh, whether you're the one leading it, you've got something going on uh, in business or in life or whatever, and you're like, what is the direction here? Right? Have you ever been serving under or working under somebody and you don't know what the direction is? You know, there it, it creates a, a bit of anxiety, doesn't it? And sometimes a lot of anxiety where you're like, I don't even know the direction we're going right now. Uh, you know, those types of things. God gave them a specific. I want you to go right here, and they were given those uh, those instructions. And uh, the Lord uh, further explained that Pharaoh is coming, but that God would gain honor over him, that the Egyptians, he says, would know that he is the Lord. You know, and he said that a lot during uh, when, when they were dealing with the plagues, right? 
uh, he God had a plan uh, to pour out his judgment on on Egypt at that time, and now uh, it's it's continuing here, and it's going to be finalized uh, by the time we reach the end of the chapter. But uh, it's it's God is making a statement. It's not the false god that they served. Uh, he uh, he's already shown him himself as uh, being powerful over them. Uh, but they still considered uh, uh, Pharaoh himself to be a god, and he considered himself to be a god. So uh, the Lord had an agenda here. So he tells them, I want you to go here, and I want you to do this, and this is uh, what I plan to do. So it's not often that we get to see the end result that God is working toward, right? Where God says, I want you to go here, and this is what I'm going to accomplish. Oftentimes the Lord will say, I want you to go here and I want you to wait. You know, I want you to go here and I want you to do these things. But God is giving them the end result to, to expect here uh, that, that Moses is getting this, this update. So we know that, that uh, based on what God just said, Pharaoh isn't done. He appeared to be. Remember when he told them to go ahead and leave and he asked them to pray for him? Right. His heart is changing. Right. <laughs> we see his heart has changed since then. Uh, he, what the Lord said he was going to say in his heart was that they would be, uh, be, uh, bewildered. They'd be puzzled. They'd be lost, that they'd be wandering about like sheep without a shepherd is, is the mindset in the land and, uh, you know, or the wilderness closed in on them. You know, here they are, they're lost. They're stuck. Now I can go get them. We've gone through everything and I've let them out. Now I'm going to go get them and bring them back. That was the mindset the Lord is explaining here. You know, when when and and if you think of the way they traveled rather than going up uh, you know, to the uh, to the land of Phil, the Philistines, uh, it, rather than going to that closest place for the land of the Philistines, uh, they they seemed as God told them to go this way. You can see the plan, right? The strategy in it. Right. Oh, if they were smart, they would have gone here. But God says, no, I don't I, for his own purposes, which he knew in their hearts. But it also led Pharaoh to believe that they were lost. You know, there's so much in there just to really chew on. And I encourage you to go back and look at this and read through it slowly. But, uh, but the Lord knew what he was doing, you know, when he, when he sent them, he was going to accomplish something here. So, uh, and it says that God will harden his heart uh, so that they'll pursue uh, Israel and God will uh, one last time, uh, gain honor over Pharaoh, and uh, and it's the the big one. You know, he had already gained and shown himself strong over everything and everybody, uh, and this is this is the uh, this is the final thing for them. Uh, and as as it said there, and we looked at that the Egyptians would know that I am the Lord. Egypt had oppressed Israel, and this is God judging them. Uh, we we saw that uh, in Genesis 15. It was explained that they were going to serve there, and that. that that God was going to judge that nation that, that made them serve uh, for the 400 plus years. Not only did they oppress them, they murdered their children. I mean, this is a, this was a, uh, a, a whooping coming their way. Uh, so uh, when you, when you look at what's happening here, uh, God is revealing his plan and he's showing what he's going to do to them. Uh, Psalm 103 verse 7 says he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. You know, so that this is this is neat because we don't always get to see the end result being uh, you know, said up front. But that's that's uh, what it was, uh, be, what was being revealed. Now, verse five says, now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, uh, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So as God said, Pharaoh's heart was hardened at the news of Israel's departure uh, and their location in the wilderness. And, and the first thing I think of when I read that is like, seriously, Pharaoh, <laughs> did you did you not have enough of the flies and the frogs and the lice and the the uh, um, uh, locusts and uh, you know all these things that just came and ravaged the land just just tore it right up you know the hail uh, everything just totally destroyed and here they are they you know finally get a chance to you know uh, maybe start thinking a little bit and the first thing they do is say let's go back after them you know it's about as dumb as you can get but uh, the country had been wiped out their firstborn dead 
uh, you know, they uh, just just crazy. And they believe that capturing Israel would be the key to rebuilding. Everything is is destroyed. Hey, why do we let them go? Let's go get them. Let's get them back here. We'll get this thing cranking again. We'll get things going again. You know, and they were consumed with the thought of what they could gain from Israel serving them. You know, so that's what did we do? We let them go. Let's go get them. So that that thought consumed them, and it got them to the point where they were making the the, the wrong decision, right? So so what they thought they would gain was what drove them to do the stupid thing, right? Uh, it's a lot like us when we want to follow our sin, right? I'm going to gain this, whatever the sin is that's lying to us. Uh, this is the, look, look at what I'm going to offer you. And you're going to be blessed by this and it's going to be awesome. And then what does it do? It draws us in and it, and it, it binds us to its consequences, right? You know, sin, sin has consequences, you know, and uh, that's our, that's our uh, thing that's often times for us the hardest thing for us to learn. You know, some of us, like I said, school of hard knocks, you got some of them that built the school, uh, you know, that, that are laying the bricks, you know, and then you got some that attended it for a long time, some for a short time, some that saw others uh, go through the school of hard knocks. Uh, and no, you know what? I don't want to go that hard down the road. That was, like I said, with me, with a family member watching him go to juvenile hall at 13 years old, 14 years old, you know, and, and uh, those things. I learned pretty quick, you know, and, and seeing, oh, the car crashed when they did that. You know, I, uh, you know, it's, it's just, just crazy things that I, that I learned. And uh, sometimes we, uh, we have to think we need to, we got to go that direction. And then we see uh, the end result. We don't like the consequences of it. But there's the lie that comes from it. That's what I need, right? That's what that's what Egypt was thinking was, I need them. We need them. That's two million people there. We need to get them back here and get them to work. So that's the, the lie that they, they followed and, and the snare that they followed, right? The Lord drew them in. As the enemies of the Lord, God drew them in to pour out his judgment upon them. So God was at work here for Israel and against Egypt. And that's, that's what we're going to see uh, continuing to unfold. Egypt had uh, more of God's judgment coming. As I said, Genesis 15, he said he was going to judge. And, uh, excuse me, I said Israel. I meant Egypt. Uh, Egypt operated under the delusion that they were going to wrangle Israel back and that they were going to uh, rebuild and have them serve them. And seemed is easy enough, right? What we what we see here coming up soon is that they grab all their chariots and they're like, they're just wandering around the wilderness. They're not a trained military. Let's just go get them and bring them back. You know, and that's the mindset. It seemed easy enough. And God used Israel's position where exactly they were to bait the Egyptians into his trap and to bring his judgment upon Egypt. Uh, at that point. So God had hardened Pharaoh's heart even more than it already was so that he could accomplish his will. And we dove right into the hardening of heart uh, during the study several times and that this man's uh, heart was already hard and that God hardened it so that he could accomplish his will of judging that uh, that nation for the wickedness that they did uh, to his people uh, in oppressing them and uh, for murdering the children. So uh, if we want to have a discussion afterward or whatever, just let me know. We can dive into that a little bit more, but I'm pretty much going to give you that answer. <laughs> so, so, so that's it. But um, verse six, so he, Pharaoh, made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt uh, with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So here they all come, 600 choice chariots, including Pharaoh's own chariot, it says. And then he's got all the other chariots. So they've rounded up the whole military, and they're going out, and they're going to go uh, and get the uh, get these people that are so vulnerable that, but that they believe are stuck and lost in the wilderness. And uh, so they've got all their military might, and with a hardened heart, Pharaoh goes after uh, Israel. So Israel uh, went out with boldness. And I, I liked the note that I found from David Guzik uh, regarding this statement. He said, the idea behind the Hebrew words with boldness includes the idea of rebellion against authority 
The rebellious nature of Israel was good when it was against Pharaoh and all it stood for. It was bad when it was against the Lord, Moses, and all they stood for. The trouble uh, with most rebels is that they rebel against the wrong things. I, I saw that and I'm like, copy, paste. You know, I had to share that one. Uh, because uh, it's it's you know look at look at the nation we're in this nation as Will uh, had brought up here years ago this nation was born in rebellion that was rebelling against the tyranny of England and uh, rebelled and unfortunately our freedom of do what you want to do uh, doesn't stop a uh, I mean yes it's it's noble. Uh, it's a noble thing to want to be free and, and to experience freedom. Uh, but the problem is that our freedom can end up being our biggest snare and our biggest vice, right? I remember, uh, and I think I told you this uh, before, if I haven't told you, I've, I know I've shared it oftentimes in uh, either just talking with brothers or sisters about how God has um, uh, shaped me in my life or in counseling sessions and I remember uh, my old supervisor just, and I did share this up here because I can remember sitting here saying it now. But my my supervisor told me when I was a brand new recruiter uh, back in 2004, and that was, was the start of 18 and uh, plus years in recruiting. Uh, but she she had to address something that I was still trying to help people in my old job too much, and I needed I had a job that I needed to focus on. She's like, and she said, John, your biggest strength and you know uh, caring for people and wanting to do good for them is is also your biggest weakness, you know, because you're going to do this and you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, and, and so I had to learn those things. But when we consider our nation, we're, we're known as a free nation. We have all kinds of freedoms. But what do we do with those freedoms? We destroy our, our, our relationship with the Lord, where our nation turns away from God. And, and, and that's where we sit right now is as a nation, you know, as a whole, I mean, we still have uh, millions of people here who who love the Lord and seek him. But as a nation, man, we are turning from him as hard as we can, just grabbing that wheel and just cranking on it. Like there's no power steering, right? You ever driven a car with no power, like the power steering goes out? You guys know, you guys are mechanic, right? And you try to turn that wheel or the, or, or the, the vehicle's off, right? And you just click it to unlock the thing and you've got to turn that wheel and it's stuck. We're pulling with all that we've got, you know, and when we want to go down this way as a nation, as in not all of us, but as a nation and, and just, uh, just, uh, it's, it's a problem. It's, uh, the problem is, is that our freedoms have become more important than our, our, our submitting to God's will for our lives that we say, no, I don't want to do that. I want, I want my freedom to do what I want. And it's, it's often, and well, every time we do that, it, results in injuring us in some way, right? There's there's always some sort of consequence to it, whether it's drifting from the Lord, whether it's uh, legal issues, health issues, whatever it is, there's there's something that comes from that that uh, that mindset of of uh, just saying, you know, I'm I'm just gonna do what I want, I'm gonna have what I want. So so Israel has a boldness here and uh, I think part of that that boldness came from knowing that God is with them, that they could see the pillar of cloud, that they could see the pillar of fire. And, uh, you know, they had just been delivered by God, you know, and just that 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 confidence that's there. And, you know, when we know where our help comes from and, and it's it's fresh. Right. You know, that that's when we're, we're going to be quickest and uh, and most sensitive to praise God. It should be uh, that that we are uh, so quick to uh, fix our eyes upon the Lord and and. Uh, and trust that he's going to take care of us. You know, we have to keep our eyes focused uh, on the Lord uh, through our circumstances, and he's going to he's going to take care of those circumstances. But when our eyes and our focus shifts from the Lord, then where does the boldness go? Where does the the strength go? Where does uh, you know our confidence go? Where does our faith go? Right? We start looking at all the circumstances around us, like Peter did. Right? You know, the Lord called Peter out onto the water, and he was doing good for a while. But then when he looked at the circumstances around him, and he's going, wait a minute, I can't walk on water. And he's looking at the waves, the, you know, this big tempest all around him. And that became his focus instead of the Lord, that who was right in front of him, right? And what does he do? He reaches his hand out, right? And the Lord's there with a gracious greeting for him. 
But but you know that's a, a wonderful example to us uh, of understanding. Yes, we can have that boldness. You know, Peter was like, Lord, if it's you, call me out on the water, and that's a bold step forward. Uh, to say, oh, I'm going to step. I mean, he risked going into the water, which you'd think, oh, he's a fisherman, probably swim. I know fishermen who can't swim, but um, but also, you know, there's a raging storm going on. So yeah, there there's some fear there, but it, it's a, it's a bold thing to to ask the Lord for that. And when the Lord granted it, he was doing okay for a little bit. And then uh, when the circumstances, uh, you know, became his focus, that was the problem. And we're going to see that right here. Verse 9. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea uh, besides that place, Pi-Hiroth. Pi-Hiroth, that's what we're going to say, and uh, before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. Look at verse 10. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then, uh, out to the uh, cried out to the Lord. Then uh, they said to Moses, "Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of up out of Egypt?" Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that which uh, than that we uh, should die in the wilderness. You know, so they went out with boldness, right? They've got the boldness. They're going, Hey, we got everything right here. And as soon as soon as their eyes, their focus shifted to something else, and they could see that they're in some sort of battle and they're unprepared for it. Boom. The the accusations against ultimately against God, but against Moses come out right here. Then they look at Moses and they're like, "Didn't we just tell you this? It, it, all these things and we'll look into it." But, you know, uh, when when we see Egypt coming in and they 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 finally overtake them and they lift their eyes and and when they look away from the pillar and they look back and they see that they're they're now surrounded uh you know Israel immediately becomes fearful and they they turned to Moses with these accusations of leading them to death that's what they're saying you know you you've let us out to die um i don't know about you guys but we can be like that so easily with the lord <laughs> like i'm doing good i'm doing great lord you're killing me you know like like there's the the confidence there's the uh, uh, you know, oh, you know, everything's great. I'm on a spiritual high. I'm just, just everything's great. And as soon as something comes up, the smallest of things is, what are you doing? You know, and that's and, and for them, where Moses, like it said uh, in the beginning of Exodus, was as God to them, right? Um, and and that uh, Aaron was as a prophet to them. They, they stood and represented God. Not that Moses was God, but he, he stood and represented God uh, for them. And, uh, you know, think of all the plagues in Egypt that they were spared of. I mean, all the things that they said, you know, the land of Goshen didn't deal with. They didn't deal with all these things. The extreme darkness where you'd be like gnawing on your tongue, uh, the scripture says. I mean, they would drive, it was driving people insane. It was that dark. Think of, you know, solitary confinement, and then you shut the lights off. There's nobody around, there's nothing, and it's dark. It will drive somebody insane. We need interaction. Just think, all those things that they that they missed. Uh, you know, they, they had all those possessions that God had given them from their neighbors. All of these things, as God said he was going to do. All of them. Every single one of them. God said that he was going to do this, and that he was going to deliver them, and that they were going to leave. Uh, in in with with things in tow, right? They were going to be uh, uh, you know carrying uh, stuff with them, and the, the Lord told them, you know. And when, look look at what they say. Didn't we say leave us alone? They're going all the way back to chapter five when they're when they're telling uh, telling uh, Moses, you know what? We're not even interested. All you're going to do is make things worse. Thanks, but no thanks. You know that that was you know, the the paraphrased version of it. And look what they say here. We were better off as slaves. We're not ever better off as slaves, ever. It's better to die free than to go and be a slave. 
That's it, it is so much better for us. You know what? If you're going to lose your life for it, it's better than being a slave. You know, they, uh, man, I'd rather die free. Yeah, then live in that type of bondage, no way. So what we're, we see here, this begins a recorded history that we're going to go through and we're going to shake, shake our heads at and then we're going to pull a mirror out and look at ourselves and we're going to put our mirror back, right? You know, it's just how it goes, right? Israel, we can learn so much about ourselves in our own hearts from them. So, uh, but this is, you know, when things were going good, they would obey God and they would do as Moses told them to do. But as soon as uh, things uh, went bad, then uh, they were quick to complain. And, uh, you know, as soon as it gets, uh, you know, too hard, uh, they were ready to turn back. You know, when we uh, consider you know, how much like Israel we're, we're, uh, we are, you know, we're going to, we're a little less harsh on them, right? <laughs> When we go, yeah, you know, I've made the bold statements. I've done this, I've done that. And when things were great, I'm walking with the Lord, the big grin. And, you know, I'm on that mountaintop with God. And, you know, I've had that, you know, things are great. And, oh, wait a minute, there's a valley there. <laughs> God's going, yeah, I'm taking you through it because you need to learn something. Oh, where are you? Right. You know, that's how, how the Lord works. You know, what what we see here is when the, when the, uh, Children of Israel see the Egyptians coming. They are uh, now in a conflict in their faith. They're they're in a point of of disbelief, and and uh, they should, couldn't see past the circumstances. Uh, and that's what that's what uh, unbelief does to us. It it blinds us to what God has done in our lives, or even is currently doing at the time. The unbelief, the fear. Right. Uh, you guys, I've, I've, I've said it before, and, and uh, I love that song by Zach Williams, Fear's a Liar. Man, that thing has some powerful uh, spiritual truths in it, that song does. Man, of, of, of uh, just the, how, how bad unbelief and, and fear is for us. And it's all a lie, all of it, all of it. If we're in the hand of the Lord, we have nothing to fear. What's the worst, right? What's the worst that can happen to us? We get killed and we go to be with God forever, right? You know, that's that's the absolute worst. Okay, you know, what? and what does the scripture say? Fear him who, who, who could send us away from him, right? So we shouldn't fear man. We shouldn't fear. Do we? Yes, yes. To be honest, if I saw an army coming after me, I'm probably going to get scared and go, God, I thought you told me this. So like I said, I'm not going to be too hard on Israel. But when they see the circumstances, the first thing that happens is disbelief, doubt, and fear. And what it does is it turns them away from the faithfulness of God and everything he had just delivered them from, right, and saved them from. And now he's, he's physically delivering them from Egypt. That As soon as they see Egypt, they're freaking out. And it's true, right? Remember, God didn't want to take them through the land of the Philistines because as, uh, uh, as soon as they saw war, they'd want to turn back. It's right here. They're literally saying, we, we, we could have just gone back and we could have eaten leeks and onions and garlic. It would have been great here. And here you are messing everything up, bud. You know, they're all they're all fired up at Moses. They're yelling at him, saying it would be better for us. We told you not to even leave us alone, uh, not to even, you know, try to drag us out of here. Get out of here. We don't want to hear what you say. So now they're after Moses. And look at Moses' response. Verse four, uh, 13 says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. There's a lot in those two verses. There's a lot there. So Moses says to the people, they're accusing him and they're saying, you just brought us out here to kill us. Was there not enough room to kill us there? What are you doing here? And he, he stops them, says, don't be afraid. So first thing he says is don't be afraid. You're afraid. You have to not be afraid, right? So and when they hear this from their leader that just took them through all these plagues and, and that they saw God use and when he looks at him, he says, do not be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. And then he says for them to stand still. He's trying to get them to settle down. And, and what he's saying here, and, and as he continues in verse 13, it says, And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Stand still. You know, although the army's rushing forward, he's trying to tell them that you can't have faith and fear can't coexist. Right? They can't. One is going to overpower the other. That's just how it is, right? It's like darkness and light. You can't be faithful and fearful at the same time. We're either following our fear or following our faith, one way or the other. Warren Wearsby said, True faith depends on what God says, not on what we see or how we feel. That was another copy-paste moment right there. Very blessed by that. It says, true faith depends on what God says, not on what we see or how we feel. It, it, that's amen, <laughs> right? Because we have to believe what God's word says, not what our circumstances say, not how we feel. We have to follow the word of God to, to walk in faith. Believing what we don't see because of what God says. That's what faith is. It, Moses right here is calling them to faith. Don't be afraid. I know you're afraid. Don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's saying believe in something you can't see right now because God said it was going to happen. That's what he's doing. He's calling them to faith, which will which he will accomplish for you today. You know, that's standing still. Instead of running, instead of chaotically flying in all different directions, They've got 60, uh, 600 chariots, good ones, the, the beefed up, I mean, like super tanks, right? And then they've got, you know, the regular ones. You're not going anywhere. They're going to wrangle you up. He said, he told them, stand still. Watch what God has to do, is what he's saying here. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no longer, uh, again, no more forever. They're done. This is it. This is the last time you're ever going to see them, is what he's saying to them. The Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. See the salvation. Watch God work, is what he's saying, which God will accomplish for you today. I mean, there's a lot even to meditate on right there. They are being surrounded, being, being caught. I can't necessarily say surrounded, but they're being closed in by this army that is seeking them. And to drag them back, and they're they're afraid. Are they going to kill me? Are they are they going to drag me? But what's going to happen here? They don't know, but they're fearful. Their leader tells them to to relax and watch God work. But it, it, he says here what God will he will accomplish for you today. What God will accomplish for you today. Now this is not prosperity, blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. What it is, is the reality of our lives. What are we facing that we need to be delivered from? That we can go to God and say, I need to be permanently delivered from this. Take this away from me and deliver me from this. And, and we're going to see here, you know, the Egyptians who you see here today, you're going to see no more. Those Egyptian oppressors, the ones that oppressed you and your, 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 uh, those that came before you for 400 plus years, you're never going to see them again. Because the Lord's going to fight for you. God will use Israel, we'll see as we go through, uh, to fight uh, in, in certain battles and, and wars and, and that God would be there uh, with them, but not this time. God was at work and he'll show them his deliverance. And, and Moses says, hold your peace. So he's not only saying, be still, uh, uh, in, uh, sorry, stand still and don't move, but he's also saying, be still. Be still is, is, is what you hold your peace. Relax. Trust in the Lord. Not the easiest thing to do when, when you got the enemy right behind you, right? This is one of those things. Do we, do we follow our fear or follow our faith? That's, he's, he's telling them this. This is interesting. So Moses, as a good leader, is, is encouraging those to follow the Lord. But when we look at verse 15, we see that Moses is scared too, right? And he's crying out to the Lord because it's not said, but the conclusion is easy to find. Look at verse 15. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. 
right? So, so we see here, we don't have record of Moses crying out to the Lord right here, but the implication is sure based on God's question in verse 15. Why, why are you crying out to me? Uh, you've got something to do right now. Go do it. You need to tell them to, to, to follow your instructions. Tell them to move forward. You know, but this is great because the fact that the Red Sea was right in front of them and Egypt's behind them, God isn't concerned with that in the least. He's like, you've got to get these people, get them ready to move forward. You, you Stop crying out to me and do your job. You know, the Lord said he was going to get, bring deliverance. So God is telling Moses, like, what are you doing? This is, this is go time. This is where you're supposed to be walking and you're supposed to be leading, Moses. I've, I've told you this. Just trust me and let's go. You know, that song we sing, you know, when you say go, we will go. When you say wait, we will wait. We're seeing it right here. You know, they're physically having to do that and spiritually having to do that. You know, sometimes uh, the answer for us is, is, is to just move in the direction that God is leading us. You know, we, uh, you know God will show us and, um, uh, at times, uh, you know, what he wants and, uh, and when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. But that's up to him and his time. We just need to be obedient to his voice what he's telling us in his word, what he's telling us in our prayer uh, prayer time, what he's telling us through our brothers and sisters. That, hey, I was praying for you, and, you know, I, I have you ever considered uh, this? I think the Lord might be speaking to you because we were praying about this, and I was praying for you by myself. And as a, you guys have had that happen. I'm sure you have. That, some, that, that, that God is just showing you that he's working on your behalf when you don't have a clue that he's doing and that he's ministering to you. We aren't, remember, we're not the ones responsible uh, for knowing what God is doing. We're responsible to trust him and obey and, uh, and, and to walk by faith. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, so when we consider, you know, what we're called to do, uh, it is up there. But, you know, you know, we're called to walk by faith, not uh, by what we can see here. You have to trust the Lord. True faith depends on what God says, not on what we see or how we feel. Remember that. I hope I do. Verse 16 takes me forever to remember anything. I've got to like see it, write it, uh, do it, hear it, and then that, all that, like 175 more times, and then I get it. You know, that's, I just, I sometimes that's just how it works. But anyways, verse 16 says, but lift up your rod, so he's still speaking to Moses, God is, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So the Lord is saying to Moses, all you have to do is lift up your hands. That's all you have to do, Moses. I want you to do this little thing to lift up your hands. That's it. Are there is there strength in Moses' hands? No. But God said for him to do it. I want you to raise up your hands with your staff. Do this, and that's all you got to do. And I'm going to take care of the rest. And, and uh, so Moses... Uh, was told to do that, and and uh, that it, God tells them that the sea is going to be divided, and all Israel will go through on dry land, you know, through the midst of the sea. Uh, again, the the foolish argument of the Reed Sea, eighteen inches thick, um, uh, it, it's it 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 falls flat on its face. It's the dumbest thing. I'm not even going to spend much time on it. But what what miracle would that be? You know, eighteen inches. That, that's nothing. I, I, as a kid, I would be braving that on my bike, you know, like, oh, the swamp right here, you know, trying to do that. Right. 18 inches. I don't know. You know, uh, you know, foot and a half. Oh, yeah, that's happening. I'm going to get soaked, but I'm going to push through it even on my huffy bike or whatever. You know, that's it, 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 what God is talking about is a cataclysmic event, you know, that that, that he is causing to happen here. You know, God is, is saying that you're going to walk through on dry land through the midst of the sea. 
not through the through the midst of the marsh and 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 everything like that. Uh, you know, and this is happening uh, as this is happening. God's going to harden uh, Egypt's heart, and uh, they are going to um, follow after, as we'll see here. And God says, "So I will gain honor over Pharaoh, his army, his chariots, and his horsemen." You know, God will fight for them and give them the victory. Uh, now, as we're going through here, remember that Israel. Um, uh, excuse me, that Egypt is a type and example of sin. Uh, when we look at, at, at Egypt and all it represents in the scripture, uh, we can look at it and, and compare it to sin and how sin can affect our lives uh, as we're looking at this. And how do we have the victory? The victory in Christ, that he does the work. And all we have to do is follow him. And who gets the glory, Right. Because if it was him saying, okay, I need you all to go out there with your shovels, right? And you guys got to shovel really hard and you got to get all this, this stuff and you're going to have to figure out how to part the water, build the walls and all these things. That's not miraculous. That's the sweat of your brow doing it, right? What God is saying is all you got to do is go through that and I'm going to take care of everything else. He's good that, that the Lord is going to take care of it because he wants the glory to glorify him, to draw men to him. Pharaoh himself was, you know, considered to be a god, and and God says, no, I'm going to gain honor over him, his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. You know, his imminent demise uh, will prove that he's not a god, uh, and uh, then they're going to know. And we we'll see as we read here, they find out real quick that they got duped, that God uh, that God pulled them in, that they they followed uh, into the trap that the Lord had set. Verse 19, and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came to pass, uh, it came between the camp and the Egyptians, and uh, the camp, sorry, uh, the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud of darkness to the one, and it gave light uh, by night to the other, so that one did not come near the other uh, all that night. This is awesome. <laughs> this is great. You know, the Lord just said, I'm going to take care of all these things. And now we see the pillars moving to the back, right? So uh, that there's the pillar of, of cloud that's darkening them. They have the pillar of light to pro project the light for them. Uh, so they're separated. One is in extreme darkness. The other is enjoying the light of God. So God literally putting himself between uh, his children and the threat to them. And this is God demonstrating once again that he is in control and would protect Israel. He physically shows the, the, the physical things moving um, from in front of them to behind them. So God put himself between the danger and his children. And there's absolutely no safer place to be than for us to be on the right side of God and have him between us and that which wants to harm us, right? I'm no longer a slave to whatever it is, and I'm going to call, call it to God, and he's going to deliver me from that. And I can just claim that I look in the scripture and say, this is what God says. And I can, I can look at that and go, I've got to tell my soul that God says right here that I'm free. I don't have to follow Egypt anymore. I've been delivered. I've been saved. I'm, I'm going to walk in the way that the Lord is leading me. I've told you guys this before. Uh, Christian, um, a very you know hard rock band a disciple, the song Dear X. And uh, it's a great song. It's got some really cool like cello sounds in the beginning of it. Uh, and and uh, the, the song is, is uh, the song's called Dear X. Uh, and it can be confused with, uh, uh, you know, if you don't just listen to the lyrics or whatever, you just hear uh, like a couple things like, oh, they're talking about a, an old girlfriend. And it's nothing. You know, dear hate, I know you're not far. You know, he's talking about all these things. Dear shame. He's talking about all these things. And then the chorus is explaining, you don't own me. Go ahead. You're never going to take me. You know, it's just a great song. But just to realize that in God, we have the deliverance. We have the power to live that life of freedom in him, that we have that freedom in Christ. It's there. 
This is God putting himself between us and that which wants to harm us. We see the, the picture of it. We see him separating that which is chasing his children. And he, God is saying, nope, I'm here. There, go ahead. Go do what I told you to do. I've got this. What a wonderful depiction for us. God's presence here was a light uh, to his children, but darkness to those uh, not called by his name. You know, it's a tremendous uh, spiritual thing to chew on and, and uh, to look at. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 say, In him Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, that, that we would see God, and we are enlightened by what God has, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, and God reveals his truth to us. But, the, but for people who don't know the Lord, they're going to be like, What do you believe? What, you go where? Once, twice a week, three times a week, you go to Bible study, you go to you go to these things here, and 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 it, it, it just doesn't make sense to those that are in darkness, right? There's the difference there. So those who are pursuing Israel uh, to harm them are left in darkness, and Israel had a light, and uh, uh, it kept Egypt at bay uh, for the whole night. A couple verses here. Uh, of explaining when God said that he was going to deliver and that he was going to, to help them. Joshua 1 verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, that, that comes later here for us, but it's the same God giving victory to his children. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the God we serve. That he's there with us. There's nothing for us to fear. Guys, the God of the universe had this whole group of people all scared, and, and Moses has to tell them, wait, you know, the, the salvation of the Lord is coming, and then they get to see the pillars moving behind them, and they get to see the Red Sea we're about to see part, and they're going to walk through on dry ground. That's the God we serve. How many times do we look and we still fear? Do we still doubt? The truths are right here. We have, we have to train our emotions to obey the Word of God. That's what we have to do, to walk in faith. So when, when our emotions are lying to us, and that's what emotions do, right? They get all stirred up and they start flying around in our heads and they're causing confusion, fear, doubt, all these things is we need to look and go, no, I follow God and I'm grabbing my Bible and I'm going to go right here and God told me that he's going to take care of me and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to pray to him and I'm going to spend time in his word, lay it at his feet and I'm not going to go down the road that, that my emotions are trying to drive me down. Just have to walk by faith. It's not easy. We have to train our minds to obey the word of God. We have to. We have to bring, right? Because didn't David say, praise the Lord, O my soul? That was a command to his soul to praise God. We, we have to control. We, we have to, uh, you know, force ourselves to be in submission to the word of God. There, then we experience the freedom, right? Because God's just going to do all the work. We just need to trust him. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the, uh, the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So when Moses stretches out his hand, this strong east wind comes and it parts the water. Now think of how strong this water is. Two million people are going to walk through the void that's being made by this wind. I mean, this isn't just like a, uh, which direction is the wind going today, right? And pick up some grass and chuck it, right? No, this is like, you know, and, and they're watching this and it parts. Remember, Egypt can't see this. 
you know, they're in darkness and they've got the, the, the light that's, that's giving this to, to Israel. The, the light is being given to Israel. So this is all happening and this is all opening up. Egypt will see it and they're going to think that it works for them too. And that's uh, the, the, the kind of, so, um, so the strong wind comes and, you know, it, you know, this made me think, remember Jesus calming the waves uh, in the sea and, and uh, you know, he, he's, he's telling everybody, he's the Lord of all creation. You know, Lord, aren't you, aren't you afraid we're going to, we're going to die. We're all dying and you don't even care, Lord. And he just, he rebukes the wind. He said, just, oh, you have little faith, you know? This is a powerful statement that Jesus did, you know, and, and you know, I wonder if when that happened, the, the disciples thought about the Red Sea. They're like, the wind and wave, there's no doubt they would have all known this because it was a heritage for them that it was passed down. And they're going, wow, <laughs> what is going on here? It's crazy. And the wind caused the waters to be divided. They and there's dry ground there, and the waters were to stand. They stood on the left and the right. Imagine the sight. Imagine being like the first guy in, <laughs> right? Corey's poking his finger and like, you know. And of course, the the weird mind of mine is like, there's sharks just kind of sitting there looking, you know. I just, you know, they're just just sitting there looking, going, you know, I just being silly. But but think about that. These tall walls, you know, the 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 sea has has been parted out in front of them. Right. And there's walls of water on each side and they're walking through, not in mud. They're walking through on dry ground. It's not like they're going through seaweed and all that stuff. Right. You ever been like low tide? Anybody who has anybody here ever been clamming or, you know, I, I haven't. So, <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, I've stepped in the mud and I'm scared to death that it's like quicksand. And so I'm like, that's just one of those things. I'm a weirdo. And I don't want to do it, right? Um, but uh, but it, 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 it's just they're walking through on dry ground. They're like all of them, children, older uh, people, or you know, they've got whatever they had for you know, uh, you know, the um, walkers, yeah, walkers and canes, and you know, everybody's going through two million people. This is massive, and it's you just. Just think of that whole distance, and it's dry. They're going through on dry ground. God is doing. There's no glory to be claimed by anybody. Everybody's like, so uh, you know, when they get on the other side, I mean, you know, if they're meeting other people and everything, and you know, in other nations, and finally talking, like, yeah, you should have seen me. Yeah, I, I was holding up that. You know, there's no glory to be had. No glory. In fact, other nations were terrified of Israel. You remember when uh, the spies are sent uh, sent in and uh, they they meet with Rahab and she's like, where have you guys been? We keep hearing about you guys and all the victories God's given you. Like everybody understands that it's the God of Israel that's the one that's doing all these things, right? So God opens this up. Two million people uh, roughly are, are walking through there and uh, they've got uh, on either side water. And uh, just standing up, and they're all walking through. Look at verse 23. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch by, between 3 uh, a.m. and 6 a.m. The Lord looked down upon uh, the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he uh, troubled the armies of the Egypt, army of the Egyptians, and he took off uh, their chariot wheels, so that uh, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians uh, said, "Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights against uh, the Egyptians." So they they uh, learned absolutely nothing before uh, and uh, about humility or the fear of the Lord. But we also know the Lord. Uh, hardened their hearts and, and drove them in there, right? So God is finalizing his judgment on Egypt uh, for the murder uh, and oppression of his people. Uh, so in, in as they're following Israel and they think, hey, we're going to think, can you imagine like watching all this, th these miraculous things happen and like who was the first idiot to be like, let's go, you know, <laughs> right? Who was the guy leading the charge? Like, you know, I, like, I, I just, no, you know, but uh, we, we see, uh, you know, what God was doing here. And God looked upon them as the enemy. We don't ever want that. 
and uh, we wanted to look at us with favor. But uh, you know, it, he it says that he he troubled them, um, troubled their army, and uh, you know he took off their chariot wheels. You know, literally the wheels are falling off the carts, and uh, their 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 uh, military might is is uh, diminishing. Uh, as as they're trying to go through the thing that they trusted in for might and victory uh, was uh, failing them, right? And that's probably sparking a verse in your mind, and it did me uh, last night. So I, I I I had to put this in here. Psalm twenty verses six and seven says, "Say uh, now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will also uh, He will answer him from His holy heaven." Uh, with the saying, uh, my goodness, I'm going to start this over. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. There's the difference. Chariots, horses, tanks, planes, none of it means anything outside of the Lord. Nothing. We see it right here. Israel has nothing to defend themselves with. Egypt's got everything. The most sophisticated of, of military equipment. They've got it. And they've got a whole army following these guys. It all means nothing. Nothing. It, 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 it's absolutely nothing. Because what does the Lord start doing? Knocking off wheels. Oh, that's cute. Hey, those are the new, you know, the new, uh, you know, souped up one. You get that down the road, the tire shop. And, huh, you know, just knocking them off, right? And they're dragging through, right? <laughs> yeah, they're all just falling off. You know, the Egyptians, then they understand. Their eyes are open to what's happening here. And what do they say? Let us flee from the face of Israel. What are we doing here? That, that's, you know, a, a, a um, um, paraphrase of what they're saying is here. We're idiots. What are we doing here? We need to get out of here. And that's, that's the mindset there. For the Lord fights uh, for them against the Egyptians. He's against us. You know the one that just poured out those ten plagues on us and took all the first four and the last thing? What are we doing here in the middle? There's walls of water standing up around us. And they're already out. <laughs> they're done. They're seeing this right here. Too little, too late for them. They realize that the Lord is fighting for them and this is it. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians uh, were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. Not one. None of them remained. What did, what did Moses tell them? None of them. You're going to see none of them for the, forever. They're gone forever. Now the word of God, literally, the word that came from Moses, delivered uh, from God to Moses, delivered to them. It's the same with us, guys. Moses wrote the first five books of the, of the Scripture. We can trust them just like they were called to trust them. We can look at those and learn about God and trust Him the same way they were called to. Or we can be as stiff-necked and hard-hearted as they are and not trust. But look what God did when they listened. When He showed Himself strong, He blocked them off and He opened everything up and they were able to walk through. He's done the same for us. Think of sin. Our sin being separated from us as far as the east is from the west, right? Just, it's gone. It's the way the, war, the Lord works. It separates it. You know, God's commands, the seas were separated and the ground dried up. And the sea stood still on each side and at his command, the sea closed and the Egyptian army was killed like that. All of them. By the sheer weight, you know, they drowned in there, but just think of the sheer weight of Bang! You know, and any of them that didn't get killed by the concussion of all that. Uh, just, you ever been hit by a, a heavy wave? You know, uh, just uh, playing in the in the ocean. I don't do that anymore. We've already had that discussion, right? Too many things. Jellyfish, little 
sand sharks and no, I'm all done. All right. But you get hit by a heavy wave. You ever, ever been like back to a wave and then bam and it hits you? Think of the things standing up there and just smash and everything's dead. Everybody's gone. Not one remains. You know, their attempt to retreat was was fruitless. They all they all perished. And, you know, just as the, the pillar of cloud and fire was between Egypt and Israel, the waters and the walls uh, that were so, uh, a support for Israel were also the tool that God used uh, to kill uh, Egypt. You know, they they had the pillars uh, there separating them and they had the walls that were keeping Israel alive. And then what do we see? No, well, that promise doesn't apply to you, Egypt. Bam. And that's it. They closed in on them and killed them all. Verse 29, But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and to the left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work of the Lord, uh, the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You know, when, when you, you consider when everything's done and it's quiet, right? There were screams. There was the sound. You guys ever heard one horse run? You hear two horses running? These guys have chariots, 600 plus chariots, right? You know, all that. Sorry for the sound effects, right? But it just, woo, woo. And now it's quiet. And all they can see is dead Egyptians floating. There's nobody else there to, to harm them. And they're all standing there seeing, like Moses said, the deliverance of the Lord, that the Lord was going to save them, that he was going to be the one to win uh, the battle for them. And they physically saw their deliverance. Physically. Right? We are delivered from them. No longer. Like Israel, Israel's tie to Egypt is now permanently severed. That's it. That's crazy. They actually got to see all of that happen. Saw the results of God's victory and you know, we've I think sometimes we've been fortunate enough to see his victory that he's given us in his life and and uh, so that he'll get the glory. Right. Every single time, guys, every single time we have victory, it's his glory every time. And if not, repent and give him the glory. Right. Uh, because uh, otherwise we're uh, we're just setting ourselves up for uh, correction and disappointment. You know, the Egyptians, uh, the Lord said the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. His judgment's complete. He said he was going to judge that nation, that they were going to leave with things. They weren't going to leave empty-handed. They, they left with all kinds of goods. And God said that he had, to, he had one more thing to do. If you, uh, would you turn me to Psalm 136 as we end? Psalm 136, verse 10. Psalm 136, 10 through 16. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever, with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through in the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. See the victory there? All through it, and then why? Because God's mercy endures forever. It's God's mercy. His mercy endures forever. The people feared the Lord. They believed him and trusted in Moses after they saw all this. But when you look at a psalm like that, and it recounts everything God did, and as it's saying, it'll give a phrase, 
Why? Because his mercy endures forever. And each step of victory they had along the way, why? Because God's mercy endures forever. The way this all happened was so that God alone would get the glory. You know, all Israel did was run and cry, and then God took care of it all. When they were, they were running around, God calmed them down. Don't worry. And he led them through, gave them the victory. No boasting from anybody can come from this. I'll leave you with this. <clears throat> There's an encouragement in all that we see here. We can learn how God delivered Israel from Egypt. But we can also look at how God de delivers us. The old life, the vices, whatever it is. Whatever it is that God you know, puts on our hearts. We can leave them, follow the light of God's word and his presence. Trust him and stand uh, to stand between the old life and the new as he did for them. He'll win the war for us and uh, in our lives. We can trust uh, him and move forward. The uh, So I'm going to read those again. The old life, the vices, whatever they are, just leave them. Follow the light of God's word in his presence. Trust him and stand uh, to stand between the old life and the new. He'll win the war for us in our lives. We can just trust him and move forward. And that's what Israel did. Uh, reading this uh, brought to mind uh, a verse from the hymn, uh, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. It says, "My His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On the, on the solid, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Just you know, the Lord just put that on my heart. Wanted to share, guys. The the life that we're called to in the Lord is a life of freedom in Him. And uh, for those that we know that that struggle, you know, tell them there is freedom in Christ. There there is for the the freedom is in Christ. Uh, you know, there's the if there's anything we can trust, it's it's the Lord and His Word. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you so much. For the way you love us, the way you desire for us to be free, and that you do everything for us. You call us to be still and to watch you work, and you do. Lord, help us not to try to do anything or hold on to anything, but just to trust you and to move forward. And you're going to take care of everything else, as you did delivering Israel from Egypt. Help us to trust you as you are worthy of our trust. Help us to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.